Welcome to the Propel Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit closer to the workplace. We're going to be talking about how hiring has changed over the last few years and some ways that we can improve ourselves, um, both in our skill set and intangibles as well as our uh, ability to navigate through the hiring process. Many people are looking for opportunities to either learn new skills or move up within their organization. And um, today we're going to be talking with Jenny Kerfoka, and she is the Associate Director of Talent at Pliancy, and she is an expert in this field, and we're very excited to speak with her. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Nicholas. I'm excited to have this conversation with everyone. Yes, yes. And so, um, you know, Jenny, you've been doing this for a long time and you've seen a lot of different changes um, throughout the way that talent acquisition has um, evolved. So what can you tell us about the ways that the evaluation process for a new employee or even an employee that has been um, in an organization and they're moving up, how has that changed over the last 10 years? And what are some of the things that um, people should be aware of if they're going to be engaging in this process again? Yeah, you know, I have been in recruitment for uh, 17 years. Don't want to age myself, but yes, it's been a long time. So I have seen the evolution uh, in the way we hire talent. And I would say, you know, like the past few years, like really post pandemic is where the power has really shifted from the employer to the candidate and the employee, right? And so that really impacts the way that we evaluate and how we hire talent, right? And I think everyone's heard the term, the great resignation, which you know evolved into the great uh, reshuffle, reassessment, reset. Um, and I think there's regret now. Um, and really all those names tell me again that, you know, the people, employees and candidates are really, you know, driving, you know, have the wheel, right? And so with the job market kind of, I would say it's continues to fluctuate. Um, I was just looking at the July numbers and, you know, it's cooling, you know, but, you know, unemployment rate is still at 3.6, which is pretty, really low. We had 200,000 jobs added to our already close to 10 million job openings. And so that tells me we have a very tight labor market. So employers are really kind of needing to be a little bit more flexible and creative because the top kind of quality, highly skilled talent, you know, they have a lot of options, right? And so one of the big things I'm seeing as a recruiter is really this shift to more of a skills first type of hiring approach. Um, you know, in the past, you know, it used to be like, well, I want someone who was from the same industry. You know, it was very much like very, very rigid, I guess, in terms of like the type of profile they were looking for. Um, and now we're seeing, you know, hiring managers being a little bit more flexible in terms of even, you know, years of experience, you know, bachelor's degree isn't required. Um so that's really helping to widen that talent pool um, versus before it was like, you know, Nicholas, like a laundry list of qualifications, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all these must haves. And, you know, unless we, you know, with that, again, with that tight labor market, until we are able to focus really on skills first, what are some transferable skills? Like maybe they worked in a different industry, but hey, we're looking for someone with 
you know, experience in building relationships, um, you know, project management, and that can be in any industry, right? So that, that I would say is like the biggest, biggest shift that I'm seeing. Propel is a fully customized software platform that allows organizations of all sizes to run a comprehensive global well-being program for their employees and families. Propel is built to create long-term behavior change by infusing an organization's distinctive culture into a well-being program that reflects its unique needs. Propel allows you to run an unlimited number of well-being challenges, automate a health incentive program, deliver curated content, integrate organizational initiatives, and more. With Propel, you have the flexibility to meet your employees where they are and help them develop healthy habits that stick. To see all the ways you can use Propel to engage your employees, schedule a 30-minute demo with our team by emailing sales at propelwellness.com or visit our website at propelwellness.com. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think most um, employees may be in a, a job, maybe if you've moved into your role in the last year or two, you may have been one of those employees that has come in from a different industry, from a different um, type of job, and you've had to learn a little bit different of an interface with what you're doing, but maybe some of those skills have transferred. So when we're talking about those intangible qualities, um, like you mentioned, the ability to network with people and build relationships, what are some of the most common that you're seeing that employers are looking for as they go out to market? for new jobs? Yeah. I mean, there was, there's, there's so many, but if I had to narrow it down to like a top three, Nicholas, for me, like what I'm seeing and what, how, you know, my kind of philosophy is looking for someone with one, a growth and learning mindset. Right. I think, again, the world is rapidly moving, you know, plans change, um, tech, not new technology comes, you know, so being able to flex, have that curiosity, um, which is actually my number two trait, curiosity kind of goes hand in hand with that growth and learning mindset. Um, I think you'll be able to kind of navigate through some of those challenges and changes, right? Because you'll be able to reframe um, some of those challenges into like learning opportunities. I think it helps with, you know, that resilience piece, like when, you know, mistakes happen, we all make mistakes. That's part of, you know, being a human. And so I think, yeah, number one, that growth and learning mindset. And then second, like I said, tied to that is that curiosity, right? I think Curiosity is really the cornerstone of innovation, of creativity. It's how you develop solutions. Um, and I think it was James Clare who said that like curiosity is the cornerstone. Yeah, I think he was the one who coined that. It is the cornerstone of innovation and creativity. That's who I got it from. Like, who said that? Um, and yeah, it's true, right? Because it's like, it leads to action. It leads to this, you know, relentless determination to find solutions. Um, and it kind of helps us like define our why, our purpose, and really kind of focus on the things that are really going to make an impact. Um, so yeah, so I would say growth learning mindset, curiosity, and then the third one, which I think is one that's like really a lot of organizations are really looking at is that emotional intelligence, right? EQ. So I would say EQ kind of encompasses so many different things. It's self-awareness. It's social awareness. It's being able to read the room. It's listening with empathy, um, you know, seeking to understand 
you know, cultivating healthy relationships with yourself, with your team. Um, and I think EQ is one of those things that we really look for, for individuals who want to pursue like a leadership role, a manager role. Um, so yeah, those three, I would say are like the intangible qualities for sure. When you're thinking about how someone uh, may view these intangible qualities, obviously they have a perception of themselves and they can kind of in their mind um, define whether they have some of these skills or not. But how important do you think it is for someone to have a positive perception of themselves? And even just how does that affect their ability to be a successful worker? Yeah, so... This is going to probably get a little woo-woo, but I truly believe that your thoughts, beliefs about yourself, um, you know, they manifest into like reality, into action, right? So within this context, if you don't believe in your abilities or the value you have to offer, right, how will the company or your organization, um, you know, know that? How will you be able to articulate it or demonstrate it? to an interviewer, to your manager, to whoever, right? Um, and this was definitely something that I witnessed, especially having done university recruiting for like 10 years, right? Um, and so I had the pleasure of interviewing students who, you know, maybe didn't have, you know, work experience um, or, you know, didn't, you know, do an internship or things like that. And so a lot of the time, you know, I'm assessing kind of on those intangible qualities, right, that, I, that we were referring to. It's like, do they have that foundation to be coachable? Do they have that curiosity? Um, you know, and if, if they have that as like the, the building blocks, like we can teach them, we can coach them, we can like grow their career through trainings and, and things like that. But I think it first starts with, you know, understanding, again, like just what you have to bring to the table, whether you have a, a good work ethic, you could have, you know, you're great at building relationships um, and being able to like come to like an interview with some of those examples. And it doesn't have to be work related, right? It could be volunteer work. It could be like work, you know, you maybe work at your church. Um, there's so many of those like transferable skills that you can share. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely it starts with knowing yourself, what you have to offer, being able to articulate that. Right. And, um, you know, you just mentioned it, but you're coming sometimes, especially if you've moved from one industry to another with not a whole lot of tangible work experience. Uh, maybe even you don't qualify for all of the specific um, requirements that a role might have. So if you are an applicant that is looking into a position that may not be an exact fit for your previous experience, what is your best recommendation on how they should approach that interview? That's a great question. I am such a big believer in like self-reflection. So I think like self-awareness is very key. I think you need to ask yourself, well, why am I interested in the role? Is it because I'm genuinely interested in the role? Um, or is it because I don't like my current role and I want to leave? Is it because you're not getting paid, you know, in your current role and you heard that like they, you know, pay well in this function? Um, and, you know, from there, you kind of need to figure out, OK, do I want 
to pursue this role in the short term, long term? Um, what do I need to do to get there? What are some of the opportunities that I need to, you know, pursue to build certain skill sets? Because there might be a gap with what, you know, the qualifications are. Um, so like if it's a concern, let's say like lack of years of like direct experience in a certain field, but if you feel like you have transferable skills, maybe that are non-work related, um, you know, definitely something that I would highlight in an interview, but also this is where our cover letters are kind of great. I am not a fan of cover letters. However, I am a fan of cover letters if you are applying for a role that's maybe not directly, you know, linked to some of like your current or past experiences and you want to kind of give more insight into why you're pursuing, you know, a particular role. And again, like what are those transferable skills that you're going to bring? Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I would go about it. Oh, and I think you make a great point there with the cover letter because it's going to provide the color commentary to the statistics that they'd be reading on your resume. So I think you can't expect your resume to fully speak for every intangible quality that you have. You have your resume to demonstrate, you know, some of that past experience, but in reality, as a recruiter, I'm sure you have found that if you don't have the context of who that person is, why they're interested in, and maybe how they see themselves excelling in the role, it's really hard to pick them out of that stack and know exactly what you're getting. Oh my gosh, you were spot on, Nick. I'm, I'm, you should come over to talent acquisition or recruiting because that's exactly it. I'm just going to look at it for its surface level what I'm seeing on the surface versus if, yeah, I, I get that commentary and context of like why they are shifting career paths, right? Um, and like at Pliancy, we have three app, like questions we ask in the application, which that also provides that opportunity for applicants to provide more color and context and not have to write, you know, a cover letter. Um, but I sometimes look at the application answers more than I even do the resume sometimes. Like I'll look to see like their thought process, their thinking, their passion. And then I almost decide to then look at the resume. So, I mean, I would say it's both, but like, yeah, the application questions or like, you know, getting more context or color behind like how they think, um, their values, things like that. I think like way, way a lot as well. Right. And and this is a quick note um, to everyone who's not in the field of recruiting. You have to remember that the people that are, are helping you move up in your career, they're doing a job too. So if you can't imagine yourself being able to select people out of a stack and understand why it's important, then you really need to think about um, how that person is viewing you and your resume. It, it can't just stand alone. But I want to talk for a second about managers, um, because I think uh, it's crucial for a manager to play um, a role in an employee's development. But, you know, sometimes managers don't exactly know how that should work. Sometimes they may have a kind of a short um, upward mobility ladder in their particular department. So what is your advice to a manager on how they can continue to develop their employees for their, um, you know, their careers, but it may not necessarily be so that they could eventually take over their job one day? Yeah, you know, the role of the manager has changed, has elevated again over the last few years. I think one of the top priorities of most companies right now is like 
cap- manager capability, right? Like how do we equip our managers to be able to grow their teams? Um, not everyone, you know, my philosophy is not everyone should be a manager. It's a huge responsibility. There is an art, you know, of when to manage and then when to lead, right? So when you put your manager hat on, it is about aligning on goals. It's strategizing the way to meet those goals. It's managing priorities for your team, removing obstacles, giving direction, right? Like that's kind of like the manager hat. And then you have your leadership hat, right? Where you are there to coach inspire, empower your teams, you know, rally them towards a vision, provide guidance on like learning opportunities and and career development. Um, And I really believe that your role as a manager is to advocate for your team and give them those opportunities to showcase, you know, their work. Um, And so this is where I feel like managers really need to Again, do some self-reflection. Why do you want to be a manager? Is it because it's just, you know, a fancy title? Um, And, you know, and, and here's the thing, like my personal philosophy in organizations, you know, we've seen people get promoted into like manager titles because they had like strong performance or like results. But Again, to me, there's so much more to that for for you to to be promoted into a manager. It's do you, you know, again, like understand your team? Have you like grew your own team members? Have like people in your team been promoted? Um, you know, kind of have to look at it from like a holistic approach versus just results sometimes. And, you know, Nicholas, I'm sure you've seen it in your past, you know, experiences. We've seen like certain managers who really shouldn't be managers, even though on paper, they're killing it, right? Quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that as a manager, if you're like managing a team right now, it's really have a genuine interest in your people, not just as employees, but as like humans, to be quite honest, right? Like, you know, we are dynamic beings, again, with the pandemic, you know, we were talking about this earlier, right? Kind of like that work and personal life has like integrated, like the lines are a little bit blurred now. And so how do we like, you know, ensure that we are in touch with what's going on with our employees, um, making sure that they feel like we are investing in their development, being proactive and asking questions about their interests, you know, definitely making sure you put time or put like as an agenda item when you have whatever regular one-on-one or connect to talk about just their career development, right? That that shows that this is a priority. Um, at the same time, you know, I'm also of the belief that we should we should take ownership of our careers and not only depend on our manager. Although, you know, they should be your biggest cheerleader, biggest advocate. But, you know, quite frankly, like I said, sometimes we've had b- bad managers. So sometimes we kind of have to take control of our own uh, career and you know seek opportunities where we could grow our skill sets, um, get visibility, network, um, yeah, all those things. Yeah, that, that's all great advice. And I think for people who are interested in a managerial role, very important to consider you're going to be doing this for your your future employees one day. And so you really need to to evaluate the the depth of the managerial position. It's not just the specific responsibilities within the organization, but it's also you're caring for people. 100%. Well said, Nicholas. Yes. <laughs> so um, 
I, I want to just touch on um, people who want to make a career change but stay within the organization that they're in. Um, besides just being genuinely interested in the role, maybe submitting a cover letter, what is, what's an extra step that I could do it, in my organization um, if I want to completely change departments? And maybe um, I don't know a whole lot about what that means, but I just feel like that's a good destination for me as my next role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I mean, Obviously, first step is express the interest to your manager, um, even if you don't have it like completely solidified. But you may be like, hmm, like, you know, brand marketing seems interesting. You know, you might not be like, yes, I want to pursue a career in brand marketing, let's say. But you might say, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested to learn more about like what they do in brand marketing. You know, I've, I've kind of like on the outside see it. And, you know, I would love to maybe be part of some like initiatives or projects or like, can you connect me with someone in brand marketing so I can learn more um, and like use that opportunity to job shadow, right? Um, you know, really understand like what the day to day is um, and then find out like what are the skills needed uh, within that role that you're interested in and let your manager know, hey, you know, I'm interested in this role. It seems like I, you know, still don't have this particular skill set. Like what sort of initiatives or projects can you put me on so that I can build that skill set? Right. So it's it's a long term goal. Right. Um, or, you you know, I think that's, you know, if I were to take a step back even further, Nicholas, I would say really work on your personal brand as well within the organization. Um, so one of the concepts that I learned when I was at PNG is this pie concept. And I don't know if it's like a PNG concept or if they got it from someone else, but P stands for performance. I stands for image. And then E stands for exposure, right? So performance is pretty straightforward. It's the results, your performance, what you deliver. But I um, is what people think of you, again, your personal brand, do you come with solutions versus problems? Are you, you know, someone who, you know, stretches beyond their, you know, current job scope? And then exposure is really who knows about you, like, and what you do, right? Does your manager know what you're doing? Does your one-up manager know what you're doing? People in the organization. Um, and if I were to ask you, Nicholas, like between performance image exposure, like what you think is the most important, like what do you think that percentage weight is? Uh, well, you know, I think for a lot of people, they're hesitant on the exposure piece. They might just be happy to keep their head down and do their work. They're doing great work. They're performing well. And maybe even they have a positive image, but um, not a lot of people outside of their immediate circle actually know what they're doing. Mm hmm. So most people, when they look at the pie, they think that performance is like the biggest chunk of the pie, right? Like, of course it's performance, but in reality it's 10% and image, mm. you know, accounts for like 30% and actually exposure is 60%. Because you could be doing all the things, you know, but like if nobody knows what you're doing, it's kind of, you know, in a way not pointless, but like no one's recognizing the work that you do. And so you're not being, considered for certain opportunities, right? And I think that was one of the things I had to learn, um, especially as like a diverse female talent, because I was always like, well, you know, I'm just gonna, exactly to your point, like, 
just put my head down, do my work. Like my results were show for themselves. And then I find out like someone else got promoted who maybe didn't even have the same results as me. Right. But they expose themselves. Right. Um, and so I think that's like one thing that I had to learn throughout my career that like you need to have all three. Um, and I think having that as a foundation helps when going back to your question, when there is an internal opportunity or when you want, you know, to pursue you know, an opportunity that's different from your current role, people will remember you and be like, oh yeah, I remember Jenny. Like, okay, she's, okay, let's say she's in finance, but like, are you really collaborating with her on this? I could see her going into brand marketing. Like you're already getting like buy-in, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I think that's key, like something to work on that you could start today is like really working on, again, just your personal brand, how you show up and then, you know, networking, being visible. Right. Yeah. And I, I would even add on to that to say, and even if you don't have a specific interest in a, a particular area of the business, you never know who's going to come out of that that might move into more of a general role. So familiarize yourself with all of those different individuals, learn about every aspect of the organization and spend time just being around them, getting to know them as people. Because in many cases, when they move into a, a general role, let's say you're coming from sales and now you're over the, the general uh, brand overall they're going to be thinking about who have I met at this organization that might be able to fill some of these roles and your name could pop up even if you didn't um, necessarily work in their specific department. Oh my gosh, 100% Nick. And I, we've seen it, right? Like in our, you know, people may not know me and Nicholas used to work for the same organization, but we've seen where like names are presented, even though they may not have shared an interest, but like, hey, like we saw this person's really strong in let's say project management, right? Like, hey, there's like an opening, like, do you think they'd be interested in the role, right? So like that creates those opportunities as well. Right. Well, let's finish up, Jenny, with talking a little bit about our career goals. So I think for most people, um, even if they ha are kind of content in their position, um, they they have this nagging feeling that they need to set career goals, but they're not really sure how to set them. And even um, if they you know, think, well, I, I really like this career, this job, um, what are some things that they can put in place that would help them continue to develop, even if it's not something drastic as making a change in the department or even the type of job that they're doing? Yeah. So again, I feel like a broken record, but I do think this requires a lot of self-reflection and really defining what success means to you, right? It is different for everyone and it changes, right? As life stages changes, circumstances changes, and what, you know, like even for myself personally, what I define as success in my 20s is different, you know, when you're in your 30s and when you're in your 40s, when you have kids, when you, you know, maybe have to take care of, of you know, a, a parent. So there are some, again, doing some reflection. And I always try to remember, you know, why am I doing the things that I'm doing, right? Um, is it because I want to grow in my career? Like, am I pursuing this role because I want to drive impact or I want to build things? So a great exercise is, you know, maybe writing three tasks that energize you, like things that make you excited, make you happy. And then, you know, maybe list out three things that really drain your energy, right? 
And I think like that could kind of help refine, you know, which direction you're going. Um, because success isn't just like about, again, like the title, but like, how does it make you feel? Do you like, you could like pursue whatever VP level, but you feeling anxious every day or, okay, I'm going to be, you know, a manager level. And I feel, you know, energized because I get to like coach this like team of like young talent. Um, so again, I think that self-reflection is, is so important. And then again, it's partnering with your manager to really map out again, like, what are my skill gaps? Like being very honest, like what do you see are some of the opportunities that I could grow? Um, and then do, you know, have a plan where you say, okay, like in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, like I want to be, you know, I want to go to a training, I want to go to a seminar or like, I want to be able to, you know, work on a project that's going to help me build certain skill sets. I want to network with, you know, at least two people per quarter, kind of have like some mini goals, you know, to just kind of help build on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I would go about it. Yeah. And it, it really is a long-term um, mindset that you have to have. So as you're going through making these goals, thinking about your career, you really need to think about the small things that you can do today and tomorrow and this week to get you closer to that. Um, and, and I know that it's in many cases for people, it's the hardest thing is just getting started and focusing your attention on what you want to do. But once you build that plan, things are able to fall into place and you would probably even be able to add some things onto that plan just because you've gotten it started. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it's and some people, you know, it can be very intimidating, right? But it really is the small daily task. It's like the, the little things that really add up. Um, and don't be so hard on yourself because plans change. You may think like, hey, I have this goal set in mind. Be flexible, I think is really key. You know, allow opportunities to come your way. I'm pretty sure you know, Nicholas, you've experienced it. I've experienced where like, Ooh, I don't know, like this isn't really my comfort zone. Um, but Hey, I will grow from it. And like, it's sometimes you kind of have to go through an experience, you know, okay, I don't like that. Like, you know what I mean? And you can like redefine like, okay, I really don't like numbers or I really don't like whatever, you know? Um, and sometimes like, it's like the process of elimination helps you get to, where you need to be in a way, but I know it's, it can be intimidating because we tend to want to like, I only want to be where I feel most comfortable or where I feel like my skill sets or, you know, where my expertise is, but like you kind of lose out on becoming more well-rounded and that's kind of like where the growth and innovation is, right? Like in, in the, the pain points, in the failures. Um, and of course everything is 2020 hindsight. I know in the moment it's like, ah, but you know, I think I'm, personally so grateful for some of, you know, the experiences I've had, may they be bad or good. They all helped shape me into who I am now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jenny, thank you for joining us today. Um, we really appreciate your advice and your expertise. And um, if you haven't already, check out the uh, Apple, Spotify, and Google versions of this podcast if you want to download offline. Um, but from everyone here at Propel, we want to say be well and thank you for joining us.